believe it. Amen. Well, there are some wonderful theologians and Bible teachers whom I love and respect a great deal who hold to the teaching that all the miracles have ended with the age of the apostles. Well, let me tell you, these are great people. However, I am <laughs> not uh, interested in debating the subject. I don't want to have a part of that. I don't cherish that. I don't welcome that. Nonetheless, regardless of whatever theological background you come from, there are seven things that I think everybody would sign their name to. I think everybody believes who, who know Jesus that God is sovereign. Secondly, that sovereign means that He is in absolute control of all things. And thirdly, that God invites His children, the followers of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to petition Him with all of their needs. Number four is that God, in His Word, invites His sons and daughters to come to Him in prayer. Number five, that God answers prayers according to His sovereign will. Number six, that God never, never, never ceased to supernaturally intervene in the lives of His children. And finally, that God is in the miracle business. He always has been, is, and always will be. I think everybody agrees with that. And today I'm commencing a new series of messages entitled, The Visible Hand of the Invisible God. And I pray, and I have been praying, and I will continue to pray that God literally will use this, His Word, to transform every life at the sound of my voice, that you will never be the same as you examine the Scripture and look at it afresh with fresh eyes. While I'm primarily focusing on God's visible hand intervening in the life of one individual, the prophet Elijah. Uh, while we are going to see the invisible God using His invisible hand to reveal Himself, working in one person, but you're going to see that application-wise, that God is, is, has been, is, and always will be doing the same in every life that is being offered to Jesus today. No doubt, everyone at the hearing of my voice, anyone who's hearing this message, will identify with God's visible hand working in our lives. If you are breathing right now, take a deep breath. Now, you have experienced the visible hand of God. <laughs> Every breath we draw is an indication of the visible hand of God working in our lives. In my own lives, the visible hand of God, even though He's invisible, worked again and again and again, I dare say, and I, by faith, believe it will work until I go and see Him face to face. And I, He has done the same thing for you. He's done it with every one of us. All of this is going to become clear as we progress in this series. First, before I get to the 
primary text from First Corinthians, uh, from First Kings. Before I get to the primary text, I want to show you a summary of this entire series, and it's found in the New Testament 700 years after the prophet Elijah, and it's found in the epistle of James, James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, and if you're going to use the Pew Bible, it's page 1885. Remember James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was martyred for Jesus. After Jesus' virgin birth, Mary and Joseph had many sons and daughters. We know two of them at least, James and Jude. They both written epistles. And in James, as he writes to the believers, in verse 17 of chapter 5 of James, here's what he said, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man just like us. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, Elijah was a man just like me, okay? Can you say that with me? Elijah was a man just like me. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three and a half years. And then, verse 18, and again he prayed and heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is a summary in the New Testament, hundreds of years after the real events. This is just, as I said, summary, but it's very important. Because some will ask and say, well, you know, it's okay for Elijah. He was a very special prophet of God. Why would James say that he was just like us? Because as we progress in the series of messages, you're going to discover that he really was just like us. Elijah experienced a whole lot of pain in his life during his lifetime, just like us. Elijah has experienced a whole lot of puzzlement and couldn't understand why would God do this during his lifetime, just like us. Elijah experienced a whole lot of questioning of God and why and where about and wherefores during his life, during his years, just like us. Elijah experienced incredible events, inexplicable events, events that he could not even explain in words during his lifetime, just like us. Elijah experienced lots of confusion. He really was at times, and I'm going to show you, uh, a confusion on his part at the way God has been working in his life, just like us, just like us. You're going to see all of that. But the one thing that you'll see again and again and again and again and again in, this, in, in the series of messages, why he, James referred to him just like us. He was not what you call super spiritual. <laughs> By the way, those don't exist. They exist in the figment of our imagination, right? He was not super spiritual. You're going to see him depressed and discouraged. You're going to see him scared and frightened. You're going to see him doubting and defeated, even suicidal. And so when James said, 
Elijah was a man just like us. He really means he was just like us. But nonetheless, you will see again and again and again the visible hand of God working in his life. Now you can turn to the primary text with me, and that is 1 Kings 17. 1 Kings, can I make an appeal to you at this new year? <laughs> can I, I plead with you? If you are non-technical like me and technically challenged, bring your Bibles. Just bring your Bibles. Bring a notebook. Bring the Bible with you. Thank you. <laughs> they said it for all of us, Monty. Just bring your Bible. Now, if you're a, one of those technical wizards and wizards or whatever they call you, and you know, and you know how to do the stuff on your app, on your iPhone or iPad, it doesn't matter. Bring it with you. Do it. We have free Wi-Fi here. Can you believe that? <laughs> Where's Richard? Hey, <laughs> listen, to get Richard to pay for that, it's really a miracle. But, but, so bring it with you. Bring the notes and all the markings and the things you have on an iPhone and iPad. During this series of messages, I really plead with you, take notes. Write them down. <laughs> if you don't feel you're going to need some of that stuff now, you're going to need it in the future. First King chapter seven, 17. What am I getting? I'm, I'm becoming dyslexic now. <laughs> Turn to it with me. 1 Kings 17. What page is that? I don't have it here. Ah! Five, five, five. How about that? <laughs> Zach, I'm glad it's not 666. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> 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 ah. All right, that's easy for you to remember. Okay. <laughs> Verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishabite from Tishbe in Gilead said to King Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. There's something here I need to explain to you, and I don't want you to miss it. This is an aside. This is what I, you hear me sometimes say. This is a freebie it's on the house. It's an aside. It's not part of the core of the message. And it is this. You see it in this first words. Elijah comes from nowhere. He just pops up. No background, no family tree, no well-known college from which he graduated, <laughs> no qualifications whatsoever, no impressive resume, no explanation whatsoever. Just he pops up. Elijah, the Tishabite. Now, beloved, listen to me. <laughs> The one thing I know from the Word of God, and I can testify to it, is that God is not impressed with what impresses us. God is not moved by what moves us. God does not judge people the way we judge. God has a whole different set of criterion by which He operates in the lives of His children. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, I believe that with every ounce of my being. 
And I believe that God is not looking for qualifications. God is not looking for a string of degrees. God is not looking for success, history of success. God is not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. Are you available? Are you available? Are you available? Some of you are. (laughs) You know, there are, as you know, I'm, I'm just fascinated by, I'm not a historian, but fascinated by history. And there are certain characters in history that really fascinate me. I mean, Winston Churchill is one, and, and I would read and, and know, try to find out everything I know about these characters who fascinate me. <coughs> one of those characters in history is Oliver Cromwell. Oliver Cromwell, if you know anything about him, he, he was just a, a, a fascinating person for me anyway. And they came to him one day and they said, Sire, we run out of silver uh, to mint co- coinage for the realm. And so he said, well, let's send some scouts and find out where we can find silver uh, so that we can use it to make coins. So they went out, and they came back, and they said to him, Sire, we cannot find silver anywhere except in the statues in the cathedrals, which gave us that famous quote by Oliver Cromwell, and he said, let's melt the saints and put them into circulation. Let's melt the saints and put them into circulation. Now, my beloved friends, listen to me. (laughs) I believe that there are so many statues in churches and sitting there for too long. They need to be melted and used in circulation. Because God cannot use statues. God cannot use the half-hearted God cannot use the uncommitted. God cannot use the unwilling. I mean, He can do anything, but He just chooses not to. And the reason God can use men like Elijah or women like Queen Esther is because they stepped forward and they said, here we are, here I am, send me. I pray that that will be the answer of everyone at, at the sound of my voice today. They were willing to be melted so that they can be used and put to circulation. I know, I know, I know. Some people say, well, Michael, you know, Elijah or Esther, there were certain time and a certain places, but even so, they did not have the problems that I have in the 21st century. Right. <laughs> Elijah had more problem in one hour than most of us will experience in a lifetime. <laughs> Let me to give you, tell you about some of his troubles, his problems. A man named Ahab and a woman named Jezebel. You're going to know more all about them than you want to know. <laughs> Ahab was not only the most wicked king of the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Remember, after Solomon, the Israel split the northern kingdom, ten tribes, the southern kingdom with Judah and Benjamin and that, that one was Israel, one is Judah, and Israel basically ran away from the Lord before Judah. But it wasn't long before Judah went, followed suit. 
And so, not only that he was the most wicked king of the northern kingdom, most wicked king of Israel, but he was a first-class wimp. Jezebel, his wife, was evil personified. Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Sidon, uh, modern-day Lebanon, and she was a Baal worshiper. I tell you what, when I lived in Beirut back in, uh, in the 60s, late 60s, and I heard a Baalbek, Baalbek, and I said, what is that? They said, where the temple of Baal is. I want to go and see it, so I went to see it. And I thought, wow, it's going to be something impressive, a tiny little statue like this. I said, this one <laughs> caused all these problems through the years. Yeah, that's Baal. That's Baal. <laughs> but here's something else about this Baal-worshipping Queen Jezebel. She had superior mind to that of her husband, Ahab. Jezebel had a superior intensity uh, than her husband. Jezebel had superior strength than her husband. Jezebel had more of a superior strategic mind and thinking than that of her husband. She may have been the first lady in the White House, but she really was the invisible president. Some writers have described Jezebel as Lady Macbeth of the Old Testament. Ahab did not only break every command of God, but he married someone who does not belong to the Jewish faith, something God said, no, 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 don't do, don't do. Not only that, but she was anti-God, and that sealed his fate. Let me have a word with the single people, okay? Single folks who hope to get married. Can I have a word with you? Just, just, just a private word with you. If you're ever hoping to get married, let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear about being unequally yoked. Ahab probably rationalized marrying Jezebel by thinking that, boy, as so many misguided people when they date non-believers, he said, when I marry her, Israel is going to gain a great Gentile convert. In his mind, he probably said, you know, when I marry her, she's going to go to church with me. Read my lips. <laughs> While God is in the forgiving business, God is in the miracle business, but don't tempt God. He is not impressed by a blatant disobedience to his command, being unequally yoked. Read 2 Corinthians 6.14 when you go home. Some might say, well, Michael, the person I'm dating, she's not really a Baal worshiper. Or this man I'm dating, he's not a Baal worshiper, right? Let me just stop here and be upfront with you, okay? Always have been, pray to God, always will be. In fact, I pray that I'll get worse. Here's something that all of us, including your pastor, all of us, find it difficult to admit. Here's something we all find it difficult to admit, and that is that we all have little bales in our hearts. We all have a little bale on our hearts, and your bale and my bale might differ, but we all have them. 
And you probably have built a little shrine in the corner of your heart for your Baal, your little Baal. Uh, it's a place where you have walled, off, walled it off from God, uh, a private place that y- you want to keep it strictly to yourself. God, beloved, listen to me, listen to me. God wants you to deal with it. No, He does not want you to pray about it. He does not want you to read books about it. He does not want you to understand how it came about. This is all just a waste of time. (laughs) He wants you to exterminate it, whatever it is, and only you know what it is. It may be that lust that you have not conquered. It may be that shading of the truth. It may be a habit that dominates your thoughts. It may be a relationship that does not belong in your life. Only you know what it is. Those are little bales in our lives, and they are like a slow gas leak in a house. When there is a very slow gas leak, you can't smell it, you can't see it, you can't feel it, unless you plug it. It's going to keep on dripping, and once you get a spark, it's going to blow the house up. We're seeing that in the news literally almost every week, something happening. Some pastor falls, some preacher falls, some singer falls. I mean, it just, and I said, this leak has been going on in the house. For years, Israel has been flirting with Baal. They're flirting with Baal, and flirting with Baal, after all, you know, Baal promises wealth and, and, and riches and, and happiness. And that slow leak in Israel just kept going, kept going, kept going until Jezebel showed up, and she sparked that spark. And Israel went up in a smoke, and they plunged into complete immorality. Back to Elijah, a man who came from nowhere, whose name means Yahweh is my God. You remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Eli, Eli, lemai shabachtani, my God, my God. And they said, oh, he's calling upon Elijah because it's the same, the same name. God is my God. Eli, my God. El, just God. Eli, belong me, my God. And Elijah's name means God is my God. This man, Elijah, is given an awesome task, an unenviable task in many ways, of confronting immorality in his nation. Beloved, will you pray with me that God would raise an Elijah in this country? An Elijah who confronts evil of his culture, he confronted, confronted it by confronting the leadership. The leadership. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, beloved, please. Cultures and societies are like fish. They rot from the head down. They do. The decline of morality in America, listen to me, the decline of morality in America began in America's pulpits. Please hear me right. Please. There is no home or business or organization 
or a church or a nation that can rise above its leadership. And that is why Elijah looks at King Ahab, verse 1 again, look at it. 1 Kings 17. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Look at verses 2, 3, and 4, just the following verses. And the Lord, then the Lord said to Elijah, Go hide yourself by the Kareth Ravine, or brook in some translation. Either way, it's the same thing. East of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Some of you might be asking, well, now I understand the rain. Why the dew? Why is that important? It's vitally important for Israel. I, you know, I, I, have a, I have a kind of quirky mind, so you, you already know that, right? <laughs> and I always wonder, of all the lands, God chose that land of Canaan as an inheritance for Israel. If they were in Egypt, they would rely on the river Nile. If they were in, uh, up and further north, they would rely on the Euphrates and all the other rivers. But he put them in a place where they are totally, totally reliant on God's provision of dew and rain. Rain, yes, but why dew? You see, in the land of Israel, they get every morning about one-fiftieth of a coating. It's called the dew, and they have it every morning, and it coats the grass and the vegetation. In fact, if it were not for the dew... There would be no vegetation in Israel. It would absolutely be dry, and they die. And the servant of God said, there will be no dew, no rain. Because at least if it stopped raining, they got the dew in the morning. That helps keep things green. He said, neither. Why? Why is that? To prove that Yahweh is God and not the Baal of the Phoenicians. Now, I want you to use your imagination with me, okay? Not long ago, I preached a message about loving Jesus with your imagination. And I just love you. Even if you're not an imaginative person, try to kind of use your imagination with me. Elijah has this confrontation with Ahab, and he tells him, he makes that pronouncement. God's word said, there shall be no dew, no rain. And then Ahab goes home. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> he goes home to Jezebel. And Jezebel was having a while of a time with the prophets of Baal and all the, the, the pagans that she brought with her into the palace. And he goes up to Jezebel. She's probably sitting having a while of a time laughing and joking and and, and he comes in, I have, and uh, says, um, sugar plum, <laughs> guess what? I met this politically incorrect yahoo, bigoted prophet, whom I just know as Elijah, and he said to me, that there will be no dew, no rain for the next three and a half years. And so they start laughing. 
What is this Yahoo? Who does this Yahoo think he is? But when they finish laughing, they said, Opsidaisy, <laughs> what if he's right? What if he's right? And so they want to kill him. They did not know that it was God who's speaking. They want to kill him. They think, well, if we kill him, we'll get rid of him. That prophecy will not come to pass. <laughs> All I want to say is lots of luck. I remember back in 1989, I'll never forget it, I was with a group of clergy, and they were sitting there, and I was standing, standing up there, we're sitting in a, in a circle, and, uh, and they were making fun of me. I mean, literally, really, really were having fun and laughing heartily, not behind my back, in front of me, <laughs> because of my faith in the Word of God. And, I, I mean, I, I was mesmerized, I must confess to you. I've never really took an offense. I, I still to this day consider it a badge of honor. And so the king puts out an all-search bulletin, all-search message, all the police, all the federal police, everybody, find me this unsophisticated, politically incorrect Yahoo by the name of Elijah. He happened to believe the Word of God. And he happened to announce the Word of God without hesitation, without modifying it, without watering it down. Ah. But where was Elijah? Where was he? Have you heard of the Federal Protection Program? <laughs> Have you heard of that? Well, God has one. It was called the Global Protection Program. <laughs> and that's where he was. After he made the announcement, thus says the Lord, God hides him. Now, hear me right, please. Listen carefully. Because I want you to know, when God really hides you, he hides you in plain view. When God protects you, he protects you in plain view. When God shelters you, He shelters you in plain view. When God is shielding you, He's shielding you in plain view. Listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> now, God is the one who's hiding Elijah. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Michael, just wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean God calls him to public ministry, and He calls him to announce to the king, this great announcement, great pronouncement, and then he hides him? Does this make sense to you? It doesn't to me. Yeah. Listen, your hiding place, your hiding place, your hiding place is always God's protection of you for greater service. Often God hides His servants, and often to the servant, that hiding place is puzzling. That hiding place is, is, is to say the least, is very puzzling. 
God hid Joseph in part of his house, then in the prison. Why? For greater service. God hid Moses for 40 years in Midian. Why? For greater service. Uh, God hid Esther in the king's palace. Why? For much greater service. Our Lord Jesus Christ Himself was hid in Nazareth for 30 years. Why? For far greater service. The Apostle Paul himself, after a confrontation, after an encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, he was hidden from, from view in northern Arabia. Why? For far greater service. Some of you right now probably feel you're in a hiding place, and you're puzzled, and you're puzzled. I think of a mother with small children up to her elbows and diapers, and, 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 and she feels hidden. Remember, it's for greater purpose. Some of you and those who will be watching online may be shut-ins right now, and you're watching and you're listening, and you feel you're hidden, but it's for greater purpose. Some of you feel that you are being hid and hidden in your job, and you're puzzled, and you're asking why. God is hiding you there for greater purpose. Some single people who want to get married feel hidden in the sight of God, and you're sitting there in your, your, your brook of Kareth or Kareth brook, and then you're saying, why? He's hiding you there for greater purpose. Some of you are in a certain place in your business, in your business, and where you feel hidden, and you're not able to see your way out of the trouble, out of the problems, and you're working hard, and you're working diligently, and you're asking, why? You're hidden there for greater purpose, greater purpose. God hid Elijah after one of the great pronouncements, one of the great pronouncements to, to one of the powerful people in the world at the time. And he was hidden. Let me hasten to say, as a man who felt hidden for 10 years, 10 years, I felt completely hidden. I know firsthand how frustrating that is. I know firsthand how frustrating those times are. I, I, I know firsthand how perplexing those hiding times are. Being hidden feels purposeless at times. It really does. But thank God I lived long enough that I can look back and I say, thank you, God, for that hidden place. Thank you for that hiding place. Thank you for, say it with me, thank you for that hiding place. Thank you for hiding me, Lord. It was for God's greater purpose. If you've never been in one of God's global hiding programs, if you've never been in God's hiding places, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this.
God sends you there for a purpose so that He can use you far more than you can ever imagine. You might not be there now. Some of you younger people, you might be there a few years from now, maybe after the Lord has taken me home. I want you to remember, you know that uh, preacher over there in the Church of the Apostles, he's dead now, he's in, you know, the late Michael Youssef. <laughs> I want you to remember that. That's why I want you to write it down. So when you find yourself in that hiding place, regardless of what time, that you remember that he has kept you in that hiding place for a purpose. I personally believe that God wants every one of his servants to be and to have the Carith Brook uh, or Carith Ravine, same word, Brook or Ravine. I really believe God wants you to have that experience. He wants every one of his children whom he will use mightily to be in that place. Why? Because only in your Carith Ravine will he work his purpose out in you. Before he can use you, he wants to work on you. There at your Kareth Ravine, God both working inwardly and outwardly. There you'll find that no one else to understand you. There you'll find no book to motivate you. There you'll find no friend to cheer you up. And Elijah was at the bottom. It was at the bottom of that ravine. In fact, I know east of the Jordan, I know that place is very, very desolate. It's a desolate place. There was nothing but rocks, trees, and dripping water. But listen to me. When you're there, don't underestimate those three things, because the rocks are going to help you and remind you to lean on the rock of ages. The trees are going to remind you of what the psalmist said, the tree that's planted by the living waters. And I know that the dripping of the water <laughs> will remind you of what Jesus said, that out of the innermost will flow rivers of water. And so please, 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 please be encouraged if you are at Kareth Ravin right now. But then, but then God works inwardly when you are at your Kareth Ravin. He works outwardly, but he works inwardly. Verse 1 again, look at it. It says, Elijah the Tishabite. That's it. Elijah the Tishabite. If you go down to verse 24, which we will see in the next message, he goes down to verse 24. You see the widow of Zarephath. You know what she calls him? The man of God. See, the Kareth Ravin transformed Elijah from just being Elijah the Tishabite to being the man of God. God did something inwardly in Elijah's life, and God will always do something inwardly when you are in His global protection program. What is He doing in Elijah? Listen to me very carefully. He was peeling. He was peeling these layers 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. In fact, most of you probably do. I know what I'm talking about. You know, these layers, he keeps removing them until he gets Elijah to get to the real Elijah. Some of you are resisting the removing of these layers, and you want to keep them on, and you're holding on to them. And I know it's not a pretty picture. Some of you might be trying to hold on to these layers that God is peeling off in order to get you to the point of being the real you, not the projection of you, not the perception of you, not the public you, not the outward you, no, the real you. I read about this young man, young businessman, who was struggling in his business, and he decided to go and for two, two days a retreat in a, one of the monasteries. And he goes to that monastery, and, and he's just quiet for a while, and then he starts talking to the monks, and he found an old wise monk. And he walked up to him, and he said, uh, do you all wrestle with the devil here? And the monk said, no, 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 no. We don't wrestle with the devil here. He said, what do you do? He said, we wrestle with God. Young man said, what? Uh, wrestle with God? I, I, are you expecting to win? And the man said, no. We wrestle with God so we lose, so that we may lose. Just like Jacob wrestled with God in the valley of Jabbok until he lost. Elijah wrestled with God until he lost. Only then, only then can he be prepared to do what he did, as we're going to be seeing throughout the series of messages, some of the most amazing confrontations, the most amazing ministry that any man could have. And that's when he went from Elijah the Tishabite to Elijah the man of God. Don't resist. Don't resist the layers removal. God really wants to bless you. Elijah's hiding place was not only perplexing, Elijah's hiding place was not only purposeful, but it was also a place of provision. Look with me again. Whenever and wherever God hides you, you can be sure of His provision. I want to repeat this. Wherever, whenever God hides you, you can be absolutely sure of God's provision. God arranged for Elijah to eat through the most unbelievable, unimaginable catering service. Look at the text. See, part of the provision was natural. The other part was supernatural. I'm going to explain that to you. God said to him, verse 4, He said, you will drink from the brook. You will drink from that ravine. That is natural. That is natural. But then, here's the supernatural part of the provision. God commanded the ravens to feed him. That is very supernatural. I'm going to tell you why. I grew up in the Middle East, as you can imagine, right? 
I mean, you haven't guessed that I'm a sunburned Swede. And getting, growing up in the Middle East, I know all about ravens. I know all of, I, I, I can tell you more about ravens than you really want to know. Ravens are unbelievable birds. I used to watch them every day. <laughs> they eat everything in sight, and they will snatch it and run with it, and more. They will eat, they will, they will grab everything in sight. In fact, they were known to starve the young uns in order to feed themselves. They're vultures. And yet, God said to them, you're going to be the catering service <laughs> for my man, Elijah. He is in my hiding program, and you're going to take food for him. When you are in God's hiding program, you can be absolutely sure of his provision. And I thank God that I can raise my hand and testify to that fact. When you are in God's protection program, He can use some mean, angry, godless people to serve His purpose in your life. When you are in God's protection program, He will use the most unusual catering service for His provision for you. I've been there, and I know some of you have, but don't miss verse 7. Look at verse 7 with me, please. I'm just going to whet your appetite for next message. Verse 7. After a while, the brook dried up <laughs> because of the lack of rain. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Elijah had just become a victim of his own prophecy. <laughs> Have you ever suffered simply because you are at the very center of the will of God? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you did something wrong and you received punishment or whatever. No, no, no. I'm talking about actually suffering because you sought with all your heart to be at the very center of the will of God. I can't wait to tell you all about this in the next message. But beloved, all kinds of brooks dry up for all of us. They really do for all of us. Business brooks dry up. Health brooks dry up. Academic brooks dry up. Ministry brooks dry up. The question is, what is God doing when the brooks dry up? What is He doing? I'm getting ready to shout because I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I really am. I'm getting ready to shout, and I did. <laughs> it's because God is saying to you, I am planning greater things for you. I am planning better things for you. I am planning to take you up a higher level of faith and a higher degree of trusting me. The question is, are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to trust him? Will you pray with me?
Precious Heavenly Father, it never ceases to amaze me. It never ceases to amaze me. And all the years I've been walking with you, your amazing, visible hand working in your children. And I pray to God that I would never cease to be amazed until I am in awe of your presence in heaven. Father, I pray for that person who's here or watching, who is in a state of puzzlement, and he sees or she sees where they are is purposeless. Show them that your hand is working even in their hiding place. Father, I pray for that person who is experiencing frustration and calling on you and thinking that you're not really answering them. Assure them afresh of your working things out according to your perfect will in their lives. And Father, Father above all, as we see your day of return, Lord Jesus, draw nigh, and as we see the beginning of the separation between the sheep and the goats, I pray in the name of Jesus, give us the strength, give us the, the stick-to-ability stick that we would stick with you, that we would never give up, that we would never be discouraged, that we will know that there is a God in Zion and that He has a plan for my life and He will use me. Father, strengthen the remnant until we see you face to face. For I pray this in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen.